You're listening to the really useful podcast. This is the tech podcast for technophobes from makeuseof.com. Welcome to the show. My name is Christian Colley. I'm joined this week by Gavin Phillips. Hi, Gavin. How are you? I'm very well, Christian. Yeah, the uh, sun's shining here in Cornwall. It's about two degrees, but it's a beautiful day. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> a sunny, freezing cold day. I love yeah. that. Oh, <laughs> nice, nice and crisp, is it? Yeah, it's beautiful. It is very, very beautiful. The sun is, is doing its best job. Uh, how about yourself, Christian? How are you? Uh, yeah, not bad. I've just uh, been uh, reliving events of a couple of weeks ago and uh, published a blog post on my personal website uh, concerning my trip to see uh, Weird Al Yankovic's uh, return of the ill-advised self-indulgent vanity tour or something like that. I can't remember what it's called now. So I just uh, made a little blog post about that and uh, really, really been happy, a happy trip out with my uh, eldest uh, a couple of weeks ago. We didn't get home until about one fifteen. It was Whoa, uh, quite a jaunt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The unfortunate return of the ridiculously self-indulgent, ill-advised vanity tour is the uh, full title of the tour. Um, but there you go. Yeah. So where uh, you can, I'll, I'll, if anyone's interested, I'll stick a show uh, link in the show notes to that. A couple of photos and a bit of video at the end of the main bit of the show. Uh, we're here not to talk about weird Al Yankovic or tours or trips to Manchester or the weather. Even we are here to talk about. The latest tech news that matters to you, how um, events in the tech world will affect you. And then we've got some tips and tricks later in the show. And we will close with at least one recommendation. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh, We will kick off, Gavin, with news. (laughs) I've forgotten how silly this is. A federal judge has ruled that emojis count as financial advice. It's bonkers, isn't it? Um, so this is the news that now, if people post uh, tweets with certain emojis, specifically the the rocket, the chart with an upward trend line, and uh, the money bag, you know, the, the money bag with a dollar symbol on, yeah, <clears throat> uh, it counts now as financial advice, uh, which is bonkers in all sorts of ways. But just in that you could accidentally tweet one of these things alongside an innocuous. Uh, a uh, bit of advice to someone else, and <clears throat> suddenly you're a financial advisor. <laughs> yeah, it's it's crazy. I mean, there is. I mean, the glyphs, aren't they? So we're essentially saying we're giving additional meaning to very basic symbols. It's it's crackers. It's it's absolutely crackers. Um, I mean, you 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 reported on this. You must have had a bit of an old chuckle right in this. I did, in as much as when I was reading it, I couldn't quite believe what i was reading yeah <laughs> um but the reasoning behind it weirdly enough kind of does make sense though so they're saying that when it's a specific um like a crypto product right and so this has all come about because um dapper labs a company who make an nft product called mba top shop moments one okay. of the most popular nft things whenever they tweet out something relating to like their previous week sales or the previous month sales, they stick a load of these emojis alongside it. And so the judge is saying, when you do that, you are implicitly saying that you will get a financial return on this investment. So 
the logic behind it isn't, in my opinion, actually that bad. It's just the reality of what it now means going forwards from that. In that, if you do it, you could actually end up in like legal hot water, which is just crazy. Like it's an emoji, you know. Yeah, that is. I, who knew emojis had so much power, though? It's well, absolutely. And people were saying as well, like, so what if you if you talked about something medical and put a, a, a syringe at the end of it, then you're implicitly for or against vaccines or something like that. You know, they're extrapolating into increasingly silly ideas about what it could mean. But some of them weren't actually so silly. And it's like, well, if emojis are going to relate to financial investment, why aren't these things then going to relate back to their core subjects and put some legal onus on the people tweeting about those like why would it be solely restricted just to finance and crypto so it's i think it's opening up a bit of a can of worms that the judge maybe hasn't fully thought through here oh i can't believe that for a moment yeah let's let's move on spotify is partnering with nft projects to test nft locked curated playlists uh this is I mean, I'm feeling slightly depressed about this. Not not that <laughs> not that we're back on the topic of NFTs, but that that Spotify would do this really. So uh, it's joining the Web three ranks with the revelation that uh, it, Spotify is testing something called token enabled playlists, which allow holders of specific NFTs to access unique curated playlists on the service. It's, I'm going to be honest; it sounds like a lot of effort for a very niche interest. I totally agree. Uh, it's the probably the setup for some bigger things to come, and uh, it's not the first time Spotify have trialed NFTs on Spotify. They did a thing at the end of twenty twenty two where they allowed certain uh, creators and artists to sell NFTs direct from their platform. It didn't last for that long, but it was sort of an indication that they're definitely interested in the Web three slash uh, nft space um these playlists are a bit odd in the sense as well that although it's being branded as something exclusive it's not exclusive music it's just a playlist that what i once someone's seen it they could feasibly just copy it and make their own version of it yeah uh well, that's, that's, that's strange an NFT. about nft isn't it <laughs> <laughs> um but <laughs> I, it shows like some use for NFTs outside of just trading them, you know, like locked content unless you have the ticket to come in. I don't know if Spotify's the best place to trial this sort of stuff for the reason, the exact reason we've just mentioned there. Um, and like you said, it's incredibly niche. It really, really is. Like I, I, as someone who's genuinely interested in this space, like I've not heard of some of these projects and these are some of the ones that have been chosen so um i mean there's plenty in the um linked article which you'll find in the show notes just explains exactly what's going on here and it's uh help uh, break things down again but basically yeah yeah if you want to use a nft locked playlist you, then you need a web3 wallet which just seems pointlessly restrictive to me but <laughs> yeah if the companies were organizing actually unique music to be put onto spotify or say they were using like one of the AI music creation tools or something like that to create a fully 
unique audio experience that was built or, or built into Spotify. That could mm. be genuinely quite interesting. You know, that would make it worthwhile going out and getting this NFT that lets you into it because it would be something genuinely special and interesting. But yeah. if you're just having to buy this uh, so that you can listen to a playlist that already has uh, Missy Elliott and Led Zeppelin on, then you could go and do that regardless and you don't need to own you know, an NFT to do that. I'm only listening to half of that playlist. Uh, Activision... <laughs> Activision Blizzard has confirmed a data breach in which data on employees and games was stolen. Now, this doesn't have too great an impact on usability, but even so, you kind of want your big gaming companies to be pretty tight. Uh, the breach came as a result of an SMS phishing scheme that allowed an attacker to infiltrate the company's Slack channel through a single employee accounts uh this occurred on december the 4th 2022 just a few weeks ago uh, speaking to uh, insider gaming the author tom henderson wrote that the data obtained contains plans for modern warfare 2's upcoming dlc's call of duty 2023 which is codenamed jupiter and call of duty 2024 codenamed cerberus as well as sensitive employee information so it's employee data that has been lost here not user not gamer data but even so you don't want your employer to be uh, getting hacked especially when they're about to be uh, merging with microsoft yes uh so as they are about to be or or the, the deal is certainly under a lot of scrutiny at the moment uh for whether the 60 billion deal 60 billion 70 billion i can't remember but it's definitely a, a way up there isn't it uh it's, it's not a good look at all is it you know your, your employees have been uh, fished They've lost data. I mean, everybody can fall victim to a phishing scheme. It's you know, you shouldn't blame the victims in these cases, uh, but you do have to think they should have more stringent security procedures in place. I mean, that's that's all there is to it, really, isn't it? Yeah. What do you? Um, I think we talked about this a few months ago. What, how are you feeling about this uh, merger buyout? Oh, I'm not uh, keen on it at all. I don't no. think the ever-growing solidification of gaming uh, um, developers under three, effectively three roofs, uh, is good for the business uh, uh, at all. No. Um, it's only going to streamline stuff and you know compress stuff. And we've already seen like when um, companies like EA buy out what is once a beloved gaming franchise they only go on to ruin it i don't think microsoft has been quite as bad as that but they definitely have a strong track record of taking on franchises and then just binning them off when they realize they can't do anything with them and activision has you know got quite a lot of games under its roof and you can only imagine that as part of cost saving after a 70 or 60 billion dollar deal people are going to lose their jobs and we will never see some of these games again which is just useless yeah i'm baffled at how much positivity the deal has been getting from certain publications online and in print i i think it's i think it's a really really bad idea and i don't think microsoft might have the xbox and obviously it has a big uh, foot in pc gaming although not as big as it did thanks to gabe newell but i i just think it's such a bad idea and i can't believe why i can't believe when i open certain web websites that i feel should know better you know i'm talking industry giants here that have been publishing materials and uh, articles and investigative journalism into the tech industry for years now 
and they're just like waving this through with very little scrutiny. Um, I, I, I just can't believe my eyes. I really can't. I think it's a bad idea uh, for most of the reasons that uh, Gavin's already stated. And uh, at the very least, uh, this this deal should get very, very heavy scrutiny, not just from the press, but also from the various uh, financial institutions, monopoly and mergers commissions around the world or the uh, affected territories. <laughs> Now, we've talked about cryptocurrency uh, vaguely already um, in terms of NFTs purposes, uh, but there's also a thing called digital currency, and it's not the same thing as cryptocurrency, is it? No. So you could say most likely that cryptocurrency is a type of digital currency yeah. because it does exist completely digitally. It's only on computers. It's uh, it's all online. It exists on a, on a, on a blockchain, which, again, is a, is a, is a digital um, database, <laughs> for want of a better word, and um, every transaction you make using a cryptocurrency is recorded uh, on a blockchain, and um, they're kind of one and the same in many ways, but the key difference is between cryptocurrency and digital currency is that digital currency can and more often refers to your regular bank account. So um, when you make a payment online or if you move funds from a bank account to another account, um, that's really is digital currency in the sense that no money is physically moving, is it? Uh, it's not like when you transfer the money, one bank sends over a £20 no, no, or a $20 no, no. bill in the post. It's just a transfer of digital numbers on a screen and the transfer is done. So digital money uh, covers basically the whole gamut of anything digital currency-wise, whereas cryptocurrency very much specifically refers to those that exist um, in a on a blockchain and more often than not uh, using a decentralised structure where there are you know many computers around the world all connected together uh ensuring that the information on the blockchain on that database um is correct and uh correct between all the computers so they form um a consensus uh, about what um, the blockchain should look like and and you know and what's in people's accounts and uh, the transactions that are going on physical currency scarcely exists in comparison to the actual currencies, uh, the actual digital currencies that exist in people's bank accounts and companies' bank accounts and banks' accounts, does it? There's very little actual physical currency in comparison. Uh, yeah, if you mean, uh, do you mean the, like the, the fractional reserve type stuff uh, where they only have to have, was it a tenth or a seventh? It's thing? something like that, yeah. I mean, it's stated in the article that the 92 to 93% of the world's currency is already yeah. in digital form. I don't think that's actually saying what I'm just saying, is it? I am actually saying that the actual physical currency is very small in comparison to um, actual what numbers in bank accounts, which, as you say, is uh, fractional reserve. Yeah. Which uh, once, oh, yeah, once you definitely. get your head around that, things things start to change, don't they? <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. I think there was the thing that if they had, uh, if they, if there was physical money for all of the money inverted commas here brackets quote marks um you know we would need banks that were like 10 times bigger <laughs> because their vaults would have to be colossal yeah um, and you think of all the banks bank accounts and the amount of 
money in the world, if it was all in physical form, it would just be bonkers. Um, but Scrooge you also McDuck. see as well. Yeah, oh yeah, diving into that pile of coins. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which I always wondered why that didn't break. Knock him out. I know it was a yeah. cartoon, but... <laughs> It was um, all fake money. It was all a sham. Oh, it was a sham. He was diving into a pile of NFTs. Um, <laughs> um, it's quite interesting, though, because they do have similarities, obviously. They are both digital. Um, you use them online. You can use them through apps, digital currencies, and cryptocurrencies. Uh, one of the biggest differences, of course, is that cryptocurrencies aren't run and owned by banks and central banks and governments at least not for the time being yeah um and so your digital bank account that's owned by a bank um could be you know effectively switched off at any moment um whereas your cryptocurrency account i mean people like to say it couldn't be switched off at a moment but it technically could as well if you know we lost massive amounts of power across the entire world but then your digital account would go with that anyway so all in all uh i think it's best that everyone just buys gold <laughs> <laughs> or silver yeah absolutely yeah other precious metals are available <laughs> absolutely absolutely okay we'll move on um one of the best things i have bought in years was the steam deck it's a handheld gaming pc a handheld gaming laptop if you like a little bit bigger than a nintendo switch little bit bulkier the controllers don't come off but it plays pc games i've been enjoying uh, the 2018 spider-man game from the uh, playstation 4 which was released on steam recently i can play it anywhere it's amazing and one of the great benefits of this is that i got a steam deck dock to um plug it into the tv so i just dock it plug the usb cable into it and uh, you're away playing through the tv Someone wants to watch TV, you unplug it, and off you go. Now, that, that's not the only reason why you should get a Steam Deck dock. If you have a Steam Deck, you need a Steam Deck dock, basically. There are some third-party docks. I would not trust them. I had one. It didn't work out well. I got rid of it, got the refund through Amazon, got the official dock. It's brilliant. Number one, you can enjoy big-screen PC gaming just by connecting it to the dock. The dock itself has uh, two H no, it has a HDMI out. It has a Display Port out. It has a Ethernet cable port. It has two, three USB ports as well, and the uh, USB C power cable. Um, so you get faster downloads uh, in most cases because you've got your Ethernet cable plugged in. You can play while the device is charging which is good because for hardcore PC games, you're probably only going to get a couple of hours charged. Uh, lower um, requirement games, maybe retro games or older PC games, they'll last, uh, the battery will last longer with those. Now, you can also use the Steam Deck like a PC. It has a desktop mode. It's running Arch Linux uh, underneath the uh, Steam user interface. The Steam OS operating system is based on Arch Linux, so you can install uh, word processing software. Uh, there's a web browser pre-installed you can do all sorts with that uh if you're using the dock strategy games are easier with mouse and keyboard and a big display so you know if you want to play civilization or something like that then that's the way to do it on the steam deck installing third-party game launchers like uh, the heroic games launcher which will let you install uh, games from the gog good old games library or epic games 
that's much easier if you're using a mouse and keyboard, which is better done through the dock. Uh, you get USB controller support. So as I mentioned, USB ports, there are three USB 3.1 ports. And this will let you control any USB control, but you can also install additional storage through those USB ports. And ultimately, if you've got a Steam Deck, you need to get a Steam Deck dock. You don't have a Steam Deck yet, do you? Would you, would you be interested in a dock if you got the deck? I think I definitely would, yeah. It seems like one of those essential features that massively expands what you can do with an already great product. So why yeah. wouldn't you just go the exactly. extra way? Yeah. Um, how, how does it compare to the uh, Switch dock? Is it quite similar? Uh, no, it's a little different because obviously with the Switch, you've got the USB-C port on the bottom of the Switch. So when you dock it, you're literally docking it into that USB port, aren't you? Whereas with the Steam uh -huh. Deck dock, it's more of a stand with a cable coming out the back that you then plug into the USB-C port, which is on the top of the Steam Deck. Oh, that's quite interesting then, because I can see uh, in the images in the, in the article you've, you've written on this, Christian, that uh, it's got quite an array of ports on the back of it as well, hasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it does. Um, so, so there's quite a lot going on there. The... So the one in the middle you can see there, that's the USB-C port that powers the dock. And then the, um, if you're looking at the first image under number one, enjoy big screen PC gaming. And then the cable you can see on the left, that is the cable that's essentially docking the Steam Deck. So that's Aha, the data that's cable really there. So then there's a display port, um, a, a gigabit, gigabit Ethernet port, I guess that is. Yep, it is. And a few USB ports. So yep. that's a really good array of uh, additional ports, isn't it? It is. Now, some of the um, replica... Steam Deck docks have all of those, and in a couple of cases, I think there's one or two more in some cases. But you know, once bit and twice shy, I think I've spent quite a bit of cash on a third-party Steam Deck dock, and it lasted maybe two weeks before HDMI stopped working. Oh well, that's not good. No, that's not good at all. And that was from like the the big name provider of third-party Steam Deck equipment. So uh, I thought, skip that stick with the Valve product, and uh, I've been happy with it. So uh, so that's that, Steam Deck Dock. I mean, that's almost a recommendation, I suppose. Maybe we'll put that in for recommendations. Do you know what? <laughs> one of the most vital things, in my mind, one of the greatest labour-saving devices ever created for the household is the dishwasher. It's a fantastic piece of kit. We don't have one in our house because we made a, a decision many years ago before we had children that we didn't need one. There was only two of us. It's pointless having a dishwasher because, you know, they're quite, uh, you know, they have a kind of an ecological impact with detergents and uh, extra heating and all that sort of thing. You just wash up once a day when there's two of you. Of course, when there's five of you, it's a bit different. Um, but we haven't uh, managed to get a dishwasher yet. But what we do have is a robot vacuum cleaner. And I've mentioned this before. I, I, the robot vacuum cleaner is the other great labour-saving device that's available for not much money. I mean, you can get a basic one for about $200, and even less uh, with, when the sales are on. If you're going to spend more than that, then you're going to get better features. But the most important thing is that you do have to look after your robot vacuum cleaner. If you just sort of plug it in, then program it to go around every week or whatever... Um, if you don't look after it, it's not going to last very long. I've um, been looking into this recently, and I've established 10 tips that will help you to prolong your robot vacuum cleaner's lifespan. I'm going to go through them in uh, quite 
a quick manner, and then uh, Gavin and I will have a little chat about them afterwards. So number one, you need to clean the Robovax body. So, you know, it looks nice and it's not taking dust around the house. You need to give the Robovac sensors a clean as well whilst you're doing that. They're situated around the Robovac and they help it find its way around. You need to clean or replace the robot vacuum cleaner's brushes. That's really important. You also need to clean and replace the dust filter. Replacements for these can be bought kind of relatively cheaply online. You can get like a whole box full of replacement parts. Um, similarly, you need to clean and replace the mop if your robot vac does mopping and you also need to clean in and around the charging station and if that has a bin around that as well you need to empty the internal bin regularly and clean it you also need to upgrade the firmware and app on your mobile device and you probably shouldn't leave it unattended upstairs because especially if it's a cheaper model they're not that great at detecting where the cliff edge is at the top of the stairs and finally you really should and bear with me with this, tidy up before you run your robot vacuum cleaner. Just as you might, if you had a cleaner coming round. My mum does that. Uh <laughs> <laughs> so that's the 10 tips. In my house, at least, the amount of uh, sort of Lego and small toys that end up all over the place would make 10. I mean, we would have to do tidying up before the vacuum would work or else it would stop every few minutes because yeah. it was cho choking on a small Lego person. <laughs> yeah, I know, the, I know the feeling. I, um, I, I regularly run around the house picking things up the floor before the robot goes anywhere beyond the kitchen. The kitchen's usually okay. You can just go in the kitchen, clean up. It's probably the most important place to get hoovered uh, regularly as well. Uh, the rest of the house, yeah, you need to run around and pick everything up off the floor. It is a bit of a pain, but it does such a good job of hoovering stuff up that uh, it's kind of worth it, really. Um, there's a difference between doing it on like wooden or tile floors and carpet floors. So we uh, we have wooden floors throughout throughout our whole house. Um, so we tend to just you know brush it down with a regular dustpan and brush and what have you, and give it a hoover every now and then to yeah. get into the edges and what sort. Um, but the thing I've always thought about the Robovax is um, they can't really get into the corners fully properly, can they? Or is that They're why not... they have the extra bits on the on the edge? That is why they have a sort of a brush on the side. Yeah. One of the reasons they have a brush on the side. And, but no, you're absolutely right. So, especially the round ones, they're not great at getting into corners at all. Um, we fortunately don't have too many corners, but it's, it's those internal corners. It's, you know, external corners, they're okay because you can go around the corner. The internal corners are a little bit trickier. Um, yeah. Fortunately, yeah. we don't have too many of those. Because you can also get, because um, we were talking about circular ones here, aren't we? But you can get yep. ones that have uh, a flatter, more rectangular front to them, can't you? Yeah, so you can. can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get further into those hard to reach corners i'm and to, to be honest with you they seem like a very sensible option i'm surprised that they haven't become more popular i wonder if it's something to do with you know to do with mapping and automation and you know navigating around a map whether those having a square one you're adding corners to your device aren't you essentially as well as it getting into corners it also then has its own corners that it then needs to get around other corners and other objects and maybe it's easier to navigate a disc than it is to navigate a square around things. Yeah, I could imagine that. You're more likely to get caught on a door yeah. frame or, or yeah. whatever and get snarled up. Exactly, yeah. So uh, that's RoboVac tips. If you have a RoboVac, look after it. It will last much longer. A couple of weeks ago, we did a show 
almost entirely about uh, AI and ChatGPT. And uh, hello if you joined us via that show. It turned out to be quite a popular edition of the Really Useful Podcast. And uh, we have another bit of a chat about AI now. Um, a lot of people have been concerned about jobs and if AI can put a job at risk. Will AI take over your job? Well, there are seven jobs we've listed that are most at risk from AI. Although, I mean, they, it's, they're perceived to be at risk from AI, but personally, I think maybe if there is a risk, there may be only short-term risks before things rebalance themselves. But maybe we'll talk about that in a little while. So I'm going to go through the list. Number one, graphic designing. Number two, writing, editing, and proofreading. Maybe it's just wishful thinking that I said that last thing. Uh, number three, <laughs> accounts and bookkeeping. Number four, consultancy, which is a very big catch-all. Um, number five, social media managing. I mean, I can't believe that's even a job, but anyway. Number six, research analysis. And number seven, telemarketing. Some would say that it's already happened. Uh, so, Gavin, what do you think? Are these jobs at risk? Are they at risk long-term? Um, I think some of them have a higher risk than others. Uh, people are always going to go for uh, human graphic design, in my opinion. People will use AI graphic design uh, in a pinch. But if you want yeah. <clears throat> a bit more flavor and personality, I think you would still go and hire someone to do your graphic design. That said, if you were, if you're throwing up a website, say, and you want it done quickly, fast and cheap, you would now definitely choose an AI-powered tool to save money uh, in the long run. But uh, in that specific example as well, we've also had um, like WordPress themes and similar things to that for, you know, I'd say well over a decade at this point, haven't we? Yeah. Two decades? Yeah, yeah. yeah We're yeah. looking at a long time where people have willingly given free designs and free artwork and all this sort of stuff to people to use uh it's just now that people can effectively cut out the, the middleman and just go to an ai tool to do it themselves the other one uh, i would probably pick hairs with the most is is the consultancy one that one as you said is so broad and so vague <laughs> um we are already using AI to analyze huge amounts of data, identify patterns and make recommendations as I'm reading from the article. We already do that. It's not like AI is going to suddenly make the people that analyze this data obsolete because it still needs people to pass it and talk to other people about it. So it may get significantly better at analyzing the market and market trends and product performance, but it will still come round to a group of people sitting in a boardroom or whatever to talk about it and talk about the implications of the data that the AI has created. Um, whether we're looking at this on a very much of a too smaller time frame, um, I'm thinking next couple of years. Uh, you know, if we think ten years down the line, yes, all this stuff may come completely true, but that's a different different uh, story. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm not too concerned about some of this. I think with the graphic design, it is a thing that has an advantage for conceptual art. Someone like me who isn't a great artist might use an AI tool to describe, to, to, 
basically illustrate what they want an actual artist to do. I think that's a good advantage because quite often, it, I mean, it depends how the AI artist um, produces a work, but it can, it can be difficult to communicate to an artist exactly what you want. And with, with an AI tool, that might be a way of getting around it. Um, then again, you need to know whether or not you're happy with actually... Do you really want an actual human artist to do that, or are you more happy with the AI artist? Well, I think that really much depends on what your outcome is and what you're producing. I don't think I think there's certain aspects of the artwork, graphic um, graphic novels and comics, for example, where human artists are very highly regarded. I don't think AI art would survive in that area. Um, so yeah, I, th I, th I think it has uses there. Uh, speaking from a more um, personal point of view, the issues surrounding uh, writing and editing and proofreading. I mean, so far we've we've seen AI tools that do all of those things, but none of them do them very well. And I'm not convinced that it's ever going to surpass drafting. To be honest. No, uh, from what we've seen is more people using these tools uh, for summarization. Yeah. Um, but using them in such a way, uh, I'll tread lightly here, <laughs> <laughs> but using them in such a way that it takes different uh, inputs and different sources and summarizes them without providing credit to the original source is never going to be okay. And the issue that these sorts of AI writing and editing tools have is that it could reflect poorly on uh, people that use them uh, or publications that allow them to exist on their platforms without yeah. duly noting that they are being used and the way, explicitly stating the way that they are being used um alongside their writers or for their writers or as we've seen with some of the big publications in place of their writers already yeah. so yeah. you know and obviously this is a topic quite close to christian and i's heart <laughs> um but i agree with i agree with you and i don't think at least you know it pays me to say at least for now uh, our jobs are safe <laughs> Recommendations time, and as Gavin is very confidently stated, he has a recommendation ready. He can go first. Oh yeah, I totally have a recommendation. Uh, and this week weekend that we have just had, I played uh, Scrawl, the uh, adult drawing game. Um, <laughs> okay, which was very very amusing. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we played the digital version of it. So Scrawl is a board game where you, you draw things uh, on a prompt and then you, you pass it to the next person and they have to guess what your drawing was and then they give th their prompt from that to the next person who has to draw it and so on and so on. And um, as you can imagine, it gets pretty silly pretty fast. <laughs> Um, and I won't get into some of the uh, horrendous drawings that we made, but it definitely helps if you have, I don't know, it helps if you have like a base level of being able to draw. But also, even if you can't, it's absolutely 
hilarious. The, there's the board game version of it, but we played the digital version of it, which is really good fun. So okay. you get the website scrawl up on like a big screen, say in your living room, yeah. uh, and then you all sign into it on, on your smartphone uh, through the website. And it creates a little account for you, but nothing like involving a name or a password or anything. And then you can all do it digitally and pass the things around to each other. And then it goes through at the end and shows all of the drawings that you've done, uh, all of the horrendous guesses that you've made. And then you see like the full process of why one prompt ended up with a ridiculous drawing at the end. Uh, and then you sort of you choose points and choose winners and stuff. It's very, very good fun. Ooh, okay, that sounds interesting. We'll give you the link to that in the show notes. I might uh, try it out myself. My own recommendation, I think, well, you know, I, I did a half a recommendation earlier on. You could take that as a recommendation over the uh, Steam Deck dock, but to be honest with you, the most enjoyable thing I've done in the past two weeks is watch Weird Al Yankovic. <laughs> <laughs> so I have no choice other than to recommend, uh, if you can, and I know he's on a European tour at the moment, and then Australia, um, go and see the unfortunate return of the ridiculously self-indulgent, ill-advised vanity tour. It is not Al's parodies. It is mostly his original songs with um, probably a few parodies in medley form in the, uh, the the final part of the show, the encore, um, but uh, it's a really good night. Really enjoyed it. It's it's worth recommending, I think. So that's it. Uh, it's the end of the really useful podcast for this week. Uh, if we have shared anything that you found useful, or you believe someone that you know will find it useful, uh, pass it on to them and let us know what you think via Twitter or Facebook or on the comments following the uh, podcast on makeuseof.com or uh, on uh, Apple podcasts until next time it's goodbye from us 